The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Hey, how much do you guys think Michael Michelle Obama would make on OnlyFans? Oh, my God. <laughs> Maron. That's horrible. How I can mean, you say that? That is. I don't even want to think about a Big Mama Michelle naked. Big Mike. Big Mike Big naked. Now. Learn who rules over you. Simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. You are listening to ACH. Today is Sunday, so it's time to line this for a show entitled It with my co-host Maleficus Scott. So let's bring it up. Maleficus, are you with us? I am, Andy. Lovely to be back. It's, uh, I'm sat here in wearing three layers, a nice woolly hat, and I have a lot of winter plumage on my face. It's been cold. It's been really cold this week, uh, by UK standards, that is. Um, and obviously down in Cornwall, we are surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean, so it makes it rather humid as well, um, which obviously exacerbates the cold. So yes, I've been, I've been shivering at work this week. I really have cold hands and feet, all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, other than that, life is pretty rosy. How about you? Yeah, well, I'll get into that shortly, um, because that's some of the things that I'm going to cover today. Uh, But before we do, that clip you just heard during the show intro segment was from a (laughs) caller to the December the 23rd episode of the Michael Decon program that you can find on YouTube, which is entitled Celebrity Death Pool 2024. And today's show title, It, relates to today's show image, which I'm just going to send to you now, Maleficus. Oh, let's have a little look here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that picture before. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought I've really stumbled. Uh, basically, the show image is from a very strange Twitter video that appears to show this guy coming through the grill of a sewer, a bit like the guy in the It film. But I'm not sure how this is possible to literally go through a sewer grill. So I will include the link to the Twitter video in the show post. And as we always say on this show, you be the judge. And when I thought of the title, I think it was about shortly after I heard about it, Robert Ravel emailed me a couple of things. I think that's when I first heard about this stuff going on. Um, But basically, I thought, you know, this is going to be a really, really good show title. But then Michael, sorry, Mark Dankoff sent me something on the... Friday, I think, and people already memeing, you know, comparing these people coming out of the sewers to the It film where the, well, I think it's called Pennywise, I think the evil... Pennywise, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
comes out of sewers to, to and, and things like that. So that's where the similarity is from. So uh, you've heard the term news cut. I think I've been meme cucked, as it were, on this. But for those of you who haven't heard it before and you do find it funny, thank you very much. But uh, uh, Maleficus, uh, before we get into today's Limish show, I just want to draw your attention to today's traditional Christian message entitled Computers, a 46-minute show which is almost entirely unscripted that I put up earlier on achshow.com. So please check that out if it interests you. I basically wrote it for the... I Ask You series I used to do, but of course when I cut down the shows each week I had a few things that I'd never done, so I thought I could maybe use it for the traditional Christian message and uh, get something out of it in that vein, and uh, I hope that I did, but uh, as I say, if it interests you, then please give it a listen. But actually, Maleficus, you've been looking at these tunnels, so before we move on, uh, please give us your thoughts on this uh, this story that's really taken the alternative media by storm in the last week. Uh, hasn't it just? I mean, there has been so many memes. You know, the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing is another thing that's been memed about all this stuff. Um, I've had uh, I- I've had some hilarious memes sent through to me. I have to say, but. Um, Looking at the footage for these tunnels, so the tunnels allegedly go between 770 in New York, which is the Lubavitch building, and one of the synagogues that's nearby, uh, and apparently was carved in order so that they could um, worship during the COVID months, during the COVID lockdowns. Well, um, you know, I I can't see many people um, admitting to that after the case anyway. But anyway, uh, long and the short of it is, if you examine the footage itself, because we've had all sorts of things thrown at this, like, uh, oh, it's been used for organ trafficking, these tunnels, and they've been used for child trafficking, and this, and they've pulled out dirty mattresses, and this, that, and the other. Um, child-sized mattresses, people were even saying. So there's all these sort of epithets being thrown around. Um, the tunnel itself, I believe, is 50 feet long. Um, and looking at the, the footage, the footage takes you down in what I'm assuming is supposed to be the Lubavitch building, the 770 in New York. It's supposed, supposedly this building, but there's nothing to say that it is. So this is a random bit of footage with no sort of house names or anything attached to it. <laughs> uh, they take you down into a basement, which is very messy. There's a lot of junk in there. Um, there's soil and earth, or should I say spoil, all over the floor from where they've been digging this thing and a big pile of spoil in one corner. Yes, there was a baby's pram, perambulator. Uh, what, what do they call those in America? The, the little baby cart Is thing? Is it stroller? A stro- could be a stroller, whatever. So there's a, there's a little baby stroller there uh, on its side. But that's in the basement of the building. It's not in the tunnel. Um, when, and when the, the camera and the person holding the torch and the camera go down to the entrance of the tunnel, it, I mean, the guys, the guys who dug the tunnel for the Great Escape would appreciate the handiwork, I'm sure, because it's about the same size. It's about, I don't know, three foot square, this tunnel, like literally about three, four foot square, probably not even four foot, about three foot square. Um, and the tunnel, the, sh- the torch gets shone down the tunnel. And yes, this, this tiny little square tunnel goes off into the blackness. And you can see that they've had to dig around water pipes and all sorts. So at one point, they're going to have to be crawling on their bellies and stuff to get down this tunnel. Um, if 
this is the tunnel, you know, because this is the footage that's been released to the public. So if this is the tunnel, it would be far easier to use a car on the surface than it would be to use the tunnel for uh, people or organ trafficking. It would be far easier just to put the organs, whatever they are, in a cooler box and walk down the street with them than it would be to crawl through this 50-foot tunnel. What's the point? <laughs> so I'm... Uh, it's not because we're in the UK. I'm going soft on this story. I just I'm dubious as to what stories like this are used for. And Andy, I go back. I was on with Eric Gajewski yesterday and I go back to um, uh, Protocol 9. Protocol 9. If any states rise a protest against us, it is only pro forma at our discretion and by our direction for their anti-Semitism is indispensable to us for the management of our lesser brethren so all the hoo-ha that's been kicked up about this 50-foot tunnel yeah one of the biggest things andy in actual fact is i'm assuming that the only reason all this kicked off and went all nuts is because they were they quote unquote a concrete pouring company was about to fill the tunnel full of concrete so i'm assuming beforehand that there was an investigation uh, and this tunnel was discovered, etc., etc., etc. And someone had organised or paid for a concrete pouring company to come and fill the hull. Well, why didn't we hear about all this on, upon the discovery of the tunnel, rather than on the day that the concrete was being poured and it all kicked off? I don't know. There's a few. There's a few holes in this story. But the body, the the people trafficking and the organ trafficking. I'm sorry. It would just be so much easier to walk down the road with said items or things, people, etc., etc., rather than drag them through a tiny little tunnel. So um, that's my thoughts on it, Andy. Uh, by all means, if any listeners have got anything that um, debunks anything that I've said, obviously everything I've got, you know, the, the tunnel footage you can actually get on the Daily Mail website now. So in this case, the difference between the independent and the mainstream media is literally ours. So, yeah, if, if anyone wants to dispute what I've said or wants to bring any new evidence to light, yeah, my email address is in the post for the show, maleficusoutlook.com. So there we go. That's my thoughts on it, Andy. Thank you, Maleficus, and thank you for all the work that you did on that. I saw it. I didn't look into it too deeply. Um, but then I saw that it was really becoming the main story in uh, certainly the sphere of the alternative media that I tend to look at. One thing that came to my mind recently, and it's sort of whether it's related to this or not. But with all these AI videos, I mean, there was one, of a uh, famous one of Morgan Freeman. And anyone would say that this is Morgan Freeman speaking, it's his voice, it's his face and all that. And actually, it's all AI. A thought that I had is I do maintain, and I may be right or I may be wrong, I go back to um, the formation of the Illuminati 1776, and we know the people behind that, uh, was set, financial and sex bribery or blackmail and then we look at things like epstein and even in the mainstream then we're talking this week about you know with these names that have been released and apparently allegedly there are videos of certain people well surely now these people that are in this by sexual blackmail surely they could just say that any video is just ai do you see what i mean because the the, the it's almost like that sort of what would you call it hoisted by your own petard because yeah. these people have 
accumulated all this salacious stuff on people so that they can blackmail them and control them and at the same time used uh you know technology kept building that up and and all the money that they've spent on this if someone just said well that's not me that's ai you know, prince andrew already made he c- continues to maintain that particular uh, particular picture sorry of him of is it virginia griffer or whatever that famous one well that's that's yeah. not me and some people even say no that's been put together i don't know one way or another but if you could as i say i'm going to shut up because this is what i always do i go and repeat myself again so maleficus your comments yeah i mean uh, to be honest I, I, there was all this sort of stuff came out about this new footage that had leaked and blah 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 um and one of the one of the clips said, "Oh, and it actually shows Bill Clinton's face." Well, look, I'm not being funny. If you're running a honey trap operation, what would be the point in taking any footage at all unless you capture the person's face? So, is anyone really surprised at this <laughs> stuff? I don't know. It would be a pretty pointless honey trap operation if it was like pretty indistinguishable as to who the person was. What would be the point? All that money spent on nothing. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, it's worth throwing it out there because if they haven't had the idea, then I don't know, how would you feel about uh, if if this was so widespread as it could be, uh, allowing these people an amnesty just to come out and say, right, we're going to take these people on now. They're only controlling us because they've got us in these things that they can use to put us in jail. If we can have an amnesty on that, then we'll go after these people. Do you think that there's any merit in that? If there's any security agencies listening who've been a bit tired of being blackmailed and uh, want to take these people on, or do you think that they're beyond our trust? Well, I think they're beyond our trust already, don't you? You know, by their fruits and all that, you know, it's just, you know... Well, that's like saying to a murderer, you know, oh, will you will you go and deal with this problem for me? I, I, you know, uh, knowing full well what they've done before. You, you, you wouldn't do no, that. I think you're right. I, I think it's worth these No, I think it's worth throwing out there. So the olive branch has been offered, but at the same time, I don't know. You see, my attitude with this is, you'd say, well, these people, if they've done horrible things, especially to, you know, to children who we're duty bound to protect, whether you're religious or not, you know, these are, we've all been children, and we. Hopefully, have all had people protecting us from people like this. But uh, uh, my attitude would be, well, they would still be subjected to um, God's judgment, uh, even though they might bypass man's and they'd only be bypassing man's so that we can, you know, go after the bigger fish, so to speak, that are affecting us all. And I've already read today about we've got this thing coming up in... um, I think the 17th, another Davos meeting where they're talking about rolling out a disease X. Is this something you're going to touch on later, Maleficus? Uh, no, it isn't actually. Oh. So, yeah, by, by all means. Yeah, well, I, that, that's really all I know. I, I, there's a lot of stories of this floating about. And then you, we know that they signed that declaration with all these different countries that if the um, World Health Organization clicks its fingers and says you need a mandate of vaccine, then all our governments, including the one the, we, we're under in the UK, I think most of the governments in the world are have signed up to say yes, they will accept it without question. And, you know, people who don't uh, agree to be vaccinated will, you know, be presumably held down and vaccinated or prosecuted or what have you. Uh, Well, I tell you what, they're going to have a hell of a job on their hands this time round, because apart from all the people that didn't want the vaccine or jab, as I call it, in the first place, you now have an awful lot of people that regret lining up to have the needle put in their arm um, 
so there is a lot of there is a lot of what we would call i suppose vaccine regret in britain alone and i would imagine worldwide they try this on again there'll be some heads on poles i would imagine even if it's just local councillors <laughs> well i mean it's it's one of those things that talk is cheap isn't it and uh, we mm. see so often oh women won't go along with this won't go along with that and all these different things and they just need to say well you know some people did you get someone like a, you can imagine tony blair coming out i'm just giving him as an example of the way they would say <laughs> something not meaning he would do it well he'd be like well you know we accept that some people did suffer with the original vaccine uh but this is what happens with vaccines but now what we've got is so dangerous it's killing millions in in hours and we really need to all pull together otherwise our whole existence could be threatened and do you see what yeah. I mean? Just heard that it sort all of, before. That heard sort it all of before. <laughs> exactly. But the reason that you've heard it all before is it's worked all the times before, whether it's things yeah. like this or it's it's stories from World War One about um, Germans with babies' heads on the end of their bayonets and all this sort of stuff. And then we Absolutely. see only recently stories about babies that, uh, you know, the Palestinians in Gaza are alleged, alleged to have killed uh, Israeli babies. So these things, they roll them out because... They might not work, work on you or I, but they work on enough people to let them get away with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I do agree. You know, that, uh, unfortunately, you know, it is the uh, the stupid ma- It's only the stupid masses they've got to convince, and the rest of us get swept along with the tidal wave. Unfortunately, but I think there'd be a, a if they tried that again too soon, Andy. I think there'd be a massive pushback because I think people have had it up to here. I think a lot of people have had it up to here. And my hand is above my head at the point when I'm, I'm saying that, just for the radio audience. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a bit of a different start to the show. I think we've covered a lot of major issues people are talking about before we've even <laughs> talked uh, to each other started. about... Yeah, before. Uh, so, Maleficus, what have you been up to since we recorded our last show that you would like to share with me and the audience? Over to you. Um, OK, so I've... Uh, uh, it's been a quiet week work-wise, thankfully, because it's been freezing. Um, uh, the, fir- the start of my week was uh, on my hands and knees in minus conditions, weeding gravel, chipping paths, because the lady that I do that for doesn't like using weed killers or anything like that. So, as you can imagine, pretty cold, pretty cold day. But, no, um, it's been a good week. I uh, was on with Eric Kajewski yesterday for, for a monthly visit with him. Uh, it's always a good laugh to having a chat with him. He's, he's quite a jovial guy, isn't he? Uh, he sends his regards, by the way. And um, what else? I'm still on dry January, uh, Andy, although it has been slightly more humid than the weatherman predicted. I will, I will update listeners as to how well I've done at the end of the month because it's it's too, it's too early to count my chickens but um yes i'm still continuing with it having faltered a couple of times so there we go i will uh, as i say keep you all informed by the end of the month and we'll we'll compare notes uh, with some of the limey listeners i know i've had some emails about um doing dry january so i will compare notes with some of the limey listeners as to how well we've all done <laughs> No, that's very interesting, and I just want to let the audience know, because uh, you mentioned, uh, I mean, Eric's show, and uh, his website is tradcatnight.org, T-R-A-D-C-A-T, night, well, K-N-I-G-T, G-H-T, I've butchered all that already, tradcatnight.org. 
dot org. I'll try it again. T-R-A-D-C-A-T-K-N-I-G-H-T dot org. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, now, I'm going to give you a rundown of what I've been up to. Because uh, on Monday, I generally have a day off. Um, and I was watching some things in the morning. Uh, and I noticed I had a can of Coke early on. And it's got a really odd twang to it. Really strange. Um, and anyway, uh, got to about lunchtime and I went to have my lunch. And I wasn't really that hungry. I started having my lunch. I thought, I don't feel too good. And I ended up being sick. So uh, I retreated uh, back to the bedroom and settled down and what have you. And, you know, started watching some things and sipping water and what have you. Then later on, I thought, well, can I eat something? Because... Uh, you know, I fancied opening a beer because I thought I was feeling a bit better. And I don't, you don't want to do that on an empty stomach. So I got a couple of bits of bread that I had in the freezer, thawed them out and uh, decided that uh, I might have made a mistake here because uh, I was going to have them with Marmite. But I also put, uh, I can't believe it's not butter on first. Now, they say to avoid dairy with things like that. Well, it says it's not butter, so I thought I'd be all right. But nevertheless, I was, <laughs> uh, I had that, and that seemed to be okay. I had about one and a half cans of beer, and then let's just say if those uh, cans were darts, they both bounced out and leave it at that, leaving me uh, to, I don't know if that means I qualified for one day of dry January Maleficus, because what I drank didn't stay down, and I retreated to bed <laughs> at half five, and was probably awake, sort of half awake, watching my new Tales from the Crypt box set, which was very apt watching based upon how I was feeling, although I wasn't sick again, I just felt in a daze. Um, the following day, I remember waking up and I went to the bathroom and I sort of caught, a, I, I thought I felt better, you know, and I caught a whiff of my pyjamas and I washed my pyjamas once a week and uh, I never noticed them smelling before. But I, if, I think if you have a fever and you sweat it out, which is how I felt, and they really did not smell very nice. So I thought, well, maybe I've had something, I've sweated it out. Funnily enough, the following, I, I didn't think about it then because you sort of get out on them first thing and I went to put them on again the, that that evening and I didn't notice it then when I did the following morning so they went in the wash uh, so I don't know if I got something sweated it out I don't know if the uh, basically everything that I'd eaten up to that point I've since eaten um, I've had no problems even the supplements I take because I remember Robert Ravelt found some look like tampering with I think it was apple cider vinegar or something like that uh, it had been topped up and it didn't taste right so he knew that it should have been lower and something had been done um, with something like a can of Coke, they can quite easily, I don't know any of you watch The Sopranos, but there's a scene in which the um, FBI go into Tony Soprano's house to see where they can plant a bug, and they just go around with a camera, and then the, the sort of team that deals with planting bugs looks at it and thinks, where's a good place? And they find this old lamp in the basement, which is where he likes to speak, because he thinks he's not heard down there. Um, and it's like a bedside lamp, but it's all battered and stuff like that. So they really scrutinise the, um, the the footage and they get hold of an identical lamp and then they batter it up like the one there. And so when they go in again, they replace it with the one with the bug in. Well, with a company like Coca-Cola, they are a huge company and I'm sure that they have influence with the powers that should not be. 
You just need to look at some of the commercials that they've run over the years, and they've been accused of wokery going back as far as the 1970s, uh, pushing the powers that should not be his line. And I feel that if they were told, you know, we need to switch some cans and need access to this, it could happen. Now, I'm giving Coca-Cola the benefit of the doubt because I've actually reported uh, the... You give them the, the it's got on it, uh, every batch has got a batch number on it. So I've said about it tasting funny and what have you, and we'll see what they come back with. Um, but on the Tuesday, as I say, I felt better. So I had some cream crackers without any butter. I just put salt on them. And I'd already said to Amanda, I generally meet her on the Tuesday. I thought, I don't, you know, I, it's amazing how fast the body can recover because at half five on the Monday, I thought, I'm not going to make it to my mum's house this week, not going to make it to see her. And then the Tuesday, I was out and about meeting Amanda at midday and having a meal in a Burger King, which wasn't special. But anyway, um, then on the Wednesday, I went to my mum's and I did the lawn and it was a frozen lawn, Maleficus. And the reason I did it was to get some of the leaves off. But the, when I went down the first stretch, you know, the very first bit I was... I was going down with the lawnmower it went over these leaves and they were frozen to the grass it just wouldn't pick them up and I thought this is going to be a waste of time but as I got round I got a hell of a lot more leaves up than were left and it was a really because it's as you know my uh, mum's lawn can be a bit waterlogged in places so uh, the previous week I looked at it it was spongy if you'd have pushed a lawnmower on that it would have really wrecked the lawn so it was a good way of doing it when it was frozen. Got a lot of stuff up. It was hard work. But I got that done. And I got some other bits done at her house as well. Um, basically everything now, if you go in, it all looks nice. But there's still loads of stuff to sort out. Because it just means all the clutter that was visible has been dealt with. Uh, it doesn't mean that all the cupboards aren't full of clutter. And the way that I think my uh, stepdad too... You have to be careful how you get things out of the cupboard because they'll just balance things on top of each other and you could have like a game of Jenga falling on your head. So some of the higher <laughs> ones I'm just going to, uh, you know, that I can still reach with my hand. I don't want to pull something and have a load of stuff fall on me, so I'm going to get a ladder and get it out and go through it. But um, the problem that you have is that we only have a refuse collection every two weeks and the only bin I can really put it in which is the all rubbish bin that gets filled pretty quickly so it's not being picked up until i think a week on wednesday and that's already full um so when i go over there this week i'll have to do things other than sorting out i mean they can still do it and bag loads of stuff up but then you've got loads of bags all over the place cluttering you up and it kind of defeats the object of tidying the place up in the first place so, yeah, that was me then, and then I got back on the Friday. I left a lot earlier than I usually do because I had all this different stuff to do for my show. I did my own cleaning, what have you. So it's been a really busy week. Oh, one thing I left out was on the Thursday, after having all this sickness on the Monday, I decided to go to a restaurant I used to... I've been to a few times. It can be a bit hit and miss to try this steak that I have. That's, uh, um, wish I hadn't. Um, I wasn't... Uh, it was coming from the other end after I had that. I had diarrhoea all Thursday, basically, after I had that. It was only the following day that I realised it must have been that. The steak was all felt artificial. They wanted £15 for the privilege. So you can't even trust a um, restaurant steak anymore. So I will... There is actually a butcher I know. I will try that at some point and see how they come up. Uh, and the main thing that I did 
was yesterday I did my annual trip with Amanda to London Zoo, which is what most worried me on the Monday when I first got ill, because I thought, you know, you have to book these things in advance. Um, and you can even uh, pay, I think, three, four pound extra that if you're ill, they'll refund it. And I didn't pay that, and I was thinking at the time, maybe I should have paid that, because I might not even make it. I did. I agree with what you said about the cold. It was ridiculously cold. I had to... Um, well, that's that's an overstatement. My hands got cold. I didn't have anything on my face, my face, my legs, all that. They didn't get cold. I was dressed as normal. But at one point, I ate a sandwich outside on a bench, and my hands really took a long while to you know, get back to normal temperature. And the other thing that was even worse than that, they have a petting zoo there where you can go and stroke some goats and things like that. They're very sweet. Um, (laughs) And afterwards, you have to wash your hands. And I thought, well, let's just check the water first. And so, you know, because I'm pretty sure I've had that cold before. I don't want cold water on me. Uh, but it was it was warm, you know, so I thought, that'd be nice. So I'll just wash my hands with that. They've got the soap and all that. And then there's a air dryer thing, you know. Well, this air dryer, there was two, and I've noticed these recently. Not warm air hand dryers, Maleficus, cold air hand dryers. you ever experienced any of them? I literally no, thought I was, haven't. Yeah, there's this new thing obviously come out that you could dry the hands with cold air. And so <laughs> this blowing in that temperature, I thought it was getting frostbite. <laughs> but it, it it's nipping into London, nipping out. It's the only place that I have a plan to go to each year in London there was another place we used to go to the Museum of Brands we decided you know we'd seen it so often we're not going to go back uh, certainly not this year Um, so you get a feeling of I've done my trip into London for the year and also we go at this time of year because it's quiet Uh, but it was a pretty it it was nice seeing all the animals that's getting a bit samey now they haven't got any new ones I think they had a couple of tigers were born last year but they're almost full size now. So uh, we got to see pretty much all the animals that were there. We got to see it was a nice trip out, but it's always a bit like a military operation. You know, you have yeah. to get set your alarm to get up at a certain time uh, and all this stuff. And oh, what's one time I've gone to get the train up to London, someone committed suicide in front of one. So I've had to go to a different station and you've got all this stress. Is everything going to work out? Is there going to be any problems and all that? And when you get home, you feel, you've actually achieved something rather than had a nice day out of the zoo. So sorry for wittering on there, folks. I hope that that was of some interest to you. But uh, Malifkus, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, the illness, if that uh, potentially could have been a poisoning or if it sounded like a fever based upon the fact that I seem to have sweated something out on the Monday night. It sounds to me, Andy, like, you know, one of the things, one of the, one of the things that, I know I do it myself if I have a beer in the evening is I will open a can of beer and I will drink it straight out of the can. And only very rarely do I even think to rinse the top of the can off because you never know what that's come into contact with, whether stuff's been spilt on it, whether, um, you know, other cans have ruptured on the top of it and it's made it a bit sticky or something. That's the only thing normally that uh, prompts anyone to wash the top of a can. Um, so, yeah, I would, if it tasted dodgy, I would say it's probably something to do with what was on the surface of the can rather than what was in it. But, you know, uh, we'll wait with bated breath to see what comes back from the batch number you gave Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, I'll update people with that. It'd be interesting just to see, you know, 
what happened, what transpired. But this is the trouble because of what I've been through here. You just you don't know if it's something that you've been as a targeted individual or, you know, it could have absolutely nothing to do with the Coke can at all. It could be, like you said, something come in contact with off a, a beer can or, you know, the other thing. It could have been some sort of food poisoning, some food poisoning. Well, if poisoning, the Coke tasted dodgy, if the Coke tasted dodgy, it yeah. would suggest that something maybe was either in or on the Coke. Yeah. Can. Well, it's the only thing that I know that tasted different, and that's why I'm, that for me is the most likely cause. Um, but it could be, you know, sometimes you go to a, you know, to a restaurant and they bring you Coke from the mixer, and it can be a bit syrupy or a bit flat. You know, because they've yeah. not got the balance right. And it could have just been something like that. And if it's got just too much syrup in and stuff like that, that shouldn't be making you ill because it's got that in anyway. So it would have to be something that's, del- that's either been a mistake or has been hijacked. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the outcome is. But anyway, that being said, we're um, 32 minutes into the show. Uh, if we run over, we run over. I've said to Maleficus that I would rather he get all this stuff out not we have the best of intentions to try and keep to the 54 minute slot that we've got on wentsradio.com which we thank jeff and speakfreeradio.com for basically we broadcasting or actually broadcasting this show because we don't broadcast it at all it just goes up on my website for you to download so they are the people that get it out to a wider audience and we thank them so much for doing that okay so let's uh what we got here oh tom sharp satire in which i will read a brief extract from each of his 16 books this week tom sharp's fourth book blot on the landscape which was originally published in 1975 here we go folks mr turnbull of ganglion turnbull and shrine was sympathetic but unhelpful If you initiate proceedings on grounds as evidently insubstantial as those you have so vividly outlined, he told Lady Maud, the reversionary clause becomes null and void. You might well end up losing the hall and the estate. Do you mean to sit there and tell me that I cannot divorce my husband without losing my family home? Lady Maud demanded. Mr Turnbull nodded. Sir Giles has only to deny your allegations, he explained, and frankly, I can hardly see a man in his position admitting them. I'm afraid the court would find for him. The difficulty about this sort of case is that you can't produce convincing proof. I should have thought my virginity was proof enough, Lady Maud told him bluntly. Mr Turnbull suppressed a shudder. The notion of Lady Maud presenting her maidenhead as Exhibit A was not one that appealed to him. I think we should need something a little more orthodox than that. After all, Sir Giles could claim that you had refused him his conjugal rights. It would simply be his word against yours. Of course, you could still get your divorce, but the hall would remain legally his. There must be something I can do, Lady Maud protested. Looking at her, Mr Turnbull rather doubted it, but was tactful enough not to say so. And you say you have attempted a reconciliation? I have told Giles that he must do his duty by me. That's not quite what I meant, Mr Turnbull told her. Marriage is, after all, a difficult relationship at the best of times. Perhaps a little tenderness on your part would... Tenderness? said Lady Maud. Tenderness? 
You seem to forget that my husband is a pervert. Do you imagine that a man who finds satisfaction in being... No, uh, said Mr Turnbull hurriedly, I I take your point. Perhaps tenderness is the wrong word. What I meant was, well, a little understanding. Lady Maud looked at him scornfully. After all, tu comprendez, c'est tu pardonnez, continued Mr Turnbull, relapsing into the language he associated with sophistication in matters of the heart. I beg your pardon, said Lady Maud. I was merely saying that to understand all is to pardon all, Mr Turnbull explained. Coming from a legal man, I find that remark astonishing, said Lady Maud, and in any case, I am not interested in either understanding or in pardon. I am simply interested in bearing a child. My family have lived in the gorge for 500 years, and I have no intention of being responsible for their not living there for another 500. You may find my insistence on the importance of my family romantic. I can only say that I regard it as my duty to have an heir. If my husband refuses to do his duty by me, I shall find someone who will. My dear Lady Maud, said Mr Turnbull, suddenly conscious that he might be in danger of becoming the first object of her extramarital attentions, I beg you not to do anything hasty. An act of adultery on your part would certainly allow Sir Giles to obtain a divorce on the grounds which would invalidate the reversionary clause. Perhaps you would like me to have a word with him. It sometimes helps to have a third party, someone entirely impartial, you understand, to bring about a reconciliation. Lady Maud shook her head. She was thinking about adultery. If Giles were to commit adultery, she said finally, would I be right in supposing that the estate would revert to me? Mr Turnbull beamed at the prospect. No difficulties at all in that case. You would have an absolute right to the estate. It's in the settlement. No difficulties at all. Good, said Lady Maud and stood up. She went downstairs, leaving Mr Turnbull with the distinct impression that Sir Giles Lynchwood was in for a nasty surprise. And, better still, the firm of Ganglion, Turnbull and Shrine could look forward to a protracted, protracted case with substantial legal fees. So, Maleficus, do you have any comments on this? Over to you. <laughs> yeah, he's very good with his words, isn't he? Um, no, no comments, but I must get round to... Um, I, I know that my old man has still got the blot on the landscape book, so maybe I'll grab that one off him and have a little read-through. Yeah, uh, as I said, and just quickly, if someone wants to uh, ask me any other comedic writer that I can recommend, I can't. Literally, I mean, I like comedy. I, I watch it on television comedies and things like that. But actually, books that make me laugh, it's only Tom Sharp. Uh, there was, I remember once in a Charles Bukowski book, there was a, a line that a friend told me about. I'd read it as well, but it was something that he found very funny. In which, because Charles Bukowski was an alcoholic writer and he basically, his, his books were about you know, himself and what he got up to and some people say they stretched it, whatever, it doesn't matter. But there was one line in a book where he's writing in the first person. Um, and he says to a friend of his that uh, he has trouble with women because, because all he wants to do is um, drink, gamble and have sex. And so his friend says, well, why don't you find a woman who just wants to drink, gamble and have sex? He says, who wants a woman like that? <laughs> so I found that uh, amusing but uh, yeah that was Charles Bukowski but this is the sort of stuff that 
a bit like Bill Hicks with me, you know, you kind of listen to it in your late teens, early 20s, and then as you get older and you start to see some of the, you know, Bukowski was kind of glorifying alcoholism in a lot of ways. Um, Bill Hicks had a lot of left-wing tendencies as well, so you tend to be more critical as you get older. But uh, anyway, that being said, uh, do you want to say anything about Matt Maleficus before we move on? Well, yeah, you, you you learn as you get older. That's what it is. It's not that you tend to get more critical. You tend to just, you know, uh, you live and you learn, Andy, I think, you know. Yeah, uh, funny enough, that, um, that uh, kind of leads me into... Uh, the text miles, we're going to do text miles fact checker in a moment, but I actually finished all the audio files that are on the link in the post for the show. So I've listened to everything that's on there, basically. And then I had some old audio files that go back to some as early as 1990. And I'm hearing text talk like in some of these about, you know, Adolf Hitler, oh, he was the most evil man that ever lived and all this different orthodox history from or mainstream history from the uh second world war which is very different to you know 25 years later when he's got mike king on uh doing a show on the bad war and the reason i bring that up is listening to him back then he's not the text master i knew and most of what he talked about was you know, going along with everything that the mainstream said or most of what they said. So it was really interesting hearing a show like that, Tex Miles' voice, saying things that were so contrary to what he said uh, when I heard him. And the reason it's worth raising is, as I always say, people change. Maleficus just said that. Uh, we don't always agree with things that we said in the past, and that's why cancel culture is so dangerous, because um, you're being flagged up for something that you probably no longer agree with, but you're not allowed to have changed your opinion. But anyway, that being said, let's move on to today's Tex Mars Fact Checker, in which Tex gives his interpretation of historical events, which tends to conflict with that promoted by mainstream historians. Today's clip is entitled They Were White and They Were Slaves, which is taken from his October the 24th, 2016 Power of Prophecy radio programme, entitled They Were White and They Were Slaves. So here we go, folks. Let's play this in VLC because that tends to come out at about the right level. So uh, fingers crossed, folks. This is five minutes. Here we go. Michael, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, Michael, a uh, great book. They were white and they were slaves. Thank you, know, you, Tex. A lot of people are, you know, they, they, they have pity. Uh, a lot of people have pity for uh, black people in America. And they point back to the slavery issue. I know the, the United Nations recently had a panel, and they said that um, America, of course, they're busybodies. Uh, what do they know? But in any case, they, they came out and they said that America should pay reparations to black people today for having their ancestors as slaves. Of course, I don't know of any black. I've never met a black person today that had that, that knew their ancestors. Uh, I guess it'd be great, great grandfather, whatever. But we know it's been, what, 160 years uh, since there were slaves uh, in America. But how many people know that there were white slaves in America and all around the world? Now, your book is really an astonishing eye opener. I'd like to know how, how you got the idea for this book 
and uh, how you um, you wrote it, and just just what was going through your mind. I mean, it's just <laughs> I know you're a very you got a fertile mind. You're extremely intelligent, but what caused you to write this particular book? Well, you're very kind, Tex. What caused me to write it was is that I'm always fascinated with anomalies in history. Anything like that raises my curiosity, no matter what it is. And as I was surveying literature in my work at that time as a journalist, I'm a former reporter for the Associated Press, I came across a statistic that showed slavery of whites in the medieval days, back in Anglo-Saxon England and in the Viking times. And uh, what I discovered was is that there's nothing unusual about white slavery. It seems very unusual to us today because we've been indoctrinated to such an extent concerning the tragic enslavement of black people, but it has become a monopoly. It has completely monopolized the conversation in the field of study, so that in the whole spectrum, the big picture, as it were, we miss entirely a whole epic of the enslavement of whites. In fact, the very word slave comes from a word for white people, Slav. The Slavs were so heavily enslaved by Viking raiders and others that their name, or a, a variant of it, became synonymous with and a definition of the word slave. So how could it be illegitimate to talk about white slaves? And, of course, we're not talking here about people who take women across state lines for purposes of uh, prostitution. We're talking about chattel enslavement, not indentured servitude. That's something entirely different. So basically, originally to pique my curiosity, I began to study it. And then the more information that I gathered, the more that I saw, this was back in the late 80s, because originally this book was a pamphlet, and then the early 90s. There was very little at that time. Since that time, in the literature of white enslavement, there have been some books, I like to think maybe they were inspired by my book, but I'm not certain, that have since come up, especially with an emphasis on Irish slaves, but that's not my emphasis, because I know that Irish Catholics and the Catholics of England enslaved white Protestants. White Protestants, when they were in power, enslaved the white Irish. So as far as creating any kind of Catholic-Protestant rivalry here, I stay clear of that. And as you know, in my book, it shows both denominations of people being enslaved. But uh, you also mentioned reparations. Where are the reparations for the white slaves in America? And also, since there is this talk about, for example, a janitor at Yale University saw a white person who had owned slaves, and there was a stained glass image of him, he decided to kick the window out, and he hasn't been fired, and he doesn't have to pay any compensation because he felt that was an evil white slaver, and they had a window for him. Well, if enslaving one's fellow man is evil, what about all of the African people who sold their fellow blacks into slavery in the hundreds of thousands, how do we find out who their ancestors are and make them pay reparations? I personally am against this notion that you or I or someone else is supposed to pay for some of the crimes of their great-great-grandfather. But that's the world we have today, a world of entitlement, and it's very crippling for the souls and spirits and psychology of black people. And I have good news for black people on the program today here at Power of Prophecy, and that is... You are not hereditary slaves. You are not. White people have been slaves throughout history, so it is not in your interest to suppress that because you can free yourself from that crippling psychological burden. I think that's good news, don't you? Okay, so there you have it. That's what Tex thinks. Maybe he's right or maybe he's wrong. But as we always say on this show, you 
be the judge. And now Shakespeare's quote of the week. That argues but the shame of your offence, a rotten cause abides no handling. That's from King Henry IV, Part 2, Act 4, Scene 1. In current language, your demeanour and statements confirm your shameful behaviour. It is useless to try to deny or conceal your wrongdoing. It will ultimately lead to more shame. Suggestions for use. The second line, a rotten cause abides no handling, could be applied to the frequent and recurrent cases of extremely rotten lies. Some as gross as earth, as Hamlet would say. To abide means to put up with or to admit. That is, a rotten lie admits no excuse. What happens in the actual play? A rebellion is brewing around King Henry IV, and the rebel Mowbray does not want to to discuss grievances with Westmoreland, a lord in the king's retinue. Jimmy's comment. There are so many current lies and current rotten causes, abiding no handling and beyond any possibility of deniability, that even a short list would overstretch the patience of most listeners or readers. Therefore, the examples will be few and short. Actually, slightly modifying, another Shakespearean quote from the play As You Like It, there are at least seven degrees of lying, and how the accused can reply when discovered. The retort courteous, for example, I think you have misinterpreted, etc. The quip modest, for example, are you whipping your own faults in other men? The reply churlish, for example, go and retail your accusations to someone else. The reproof valiant, for example, I have a thousand spirits in my breast to answer twenty thousand such as you. The countercheck quarrelsome, for example, in thy throat thou liest. The lie with circumstance, for example, I will prove beyond any doubt that you are wrong in your accusations. And finally, the lie direct, you are a bloody liar. Among the list of shameless liars, Giuseppe Robin A. Biden and his worthy offspring Hunter will probably remain on top for quite some time, though the politically correct term is not liars, but smart reinterpreters of truth. The Nobel Prize winner of lies is still Giuseppe Robin A. Biden, with his declaration in front of millions just before the last elections that Hunter Biden's laptop from hell was actually a Russian spying operation, corroborated by more than 50 CIA top operatives. Historically, the logical runner-up among the liars would, of course, be Bill Clinton, with his memorable utterance under oath, I never had sex with that woman. But returning to the Biden family, unbeknown to most, rather, they have a Leonardo da Vinci among their members, the very hunter, who, besides being an expert in mining and oil exploration, is also a world-class painter, whose masterpieces retail at a minimum value of half a million dollars each, and are actually sold at much higher prices. We could therefore conclude that the Biden's winter of discontent has been made glorious summer by Hunter, the painter son, whose painting genius has attracted the attention and the wallet of a bunch of anonymous art connoisseurs. Though rumour has it that the buyers are actually well known, but wish to remain anonymous, or, as the two Ronnies used to say, they wish to remain anonymous. 
On the somewhat even more ominous side of things, many may remember the famous or infamous press conference by Giuseppe Robinet Biden when, as Vice President, he boasted of having forced the Ukrainians to fire the prosecutor who was investigating the now infamous Ukrainian company Burisma, which employed Biden Jr. for the paltry sum of $1 million a year. At a subsequent press conference, Biden described his success. I told the Ukrainians, he said, I leave in six hours. If Shokin, the Ukrainian prosecutor investigating Burisma, is not fired, you will not see the $1 billion loan promised by the United States. Son of a bitch, he was fired before I left. At this, the American audience laughed in beatitude at the wit and the elegant diplomacy of Giuseppe Robinet Biden. I have recently recorded an interview between an American investigator and that fired Ukrainian prosecutor called Shokin, who, after that episode, retired or was forced to retire. The interviewer asked him why he did not sue those who accused him of lying about Burisma and forced him to resign. His answer was illuminating. I am old. My pension is $850 per month, he said. And do you expect me, with my resources, to sue the United States government? I mention the episode because, currently, rumour has it that there is an extant voice recording unequivocally proving the corruption at Burisma and the quid pro quo about the loan, Hunter Biden participation in this, and the removal of the prosecutor requested by Biden Sr. And according to some voices in Ukraine, the life of that ex-prosecutor is in danger. Finally, this was but a sample of some lies and their aftermaths most already well known. Much effort, time and money is currently spent to prove Hunter Biden innocent and or at least to prove that Giuseppe Robinet Biden was not implicated and completely innocent of any personal wrongdoing. It may help their cause that the greatest supporters of the Bidens in the Congress and Senate are all members of the chosen people. Nor is, nor is it accidental that the only two nations in the world approving of the current Gaza genocide of Palestinians are Israel and the United States. Even their European puppets could not go as far as joining their masters and the chosen people in, in approving and applauding the destruction of Palestine and her people. To sum up, when looking at some horrible recent events and at the obvious contempt of the American people by their own government, another Shakespearean quote may be appropriate. Shame, where is thy blush? And you can email Jimmy at jimmy.moglio at gmail.com, the link to which, along with Malifkus's email address, malifkus at outlook.com, will be available in the post for this show at achshow.com. Shakespeare's Quote of the Week is brought to you by Jimmy Moglia, and in particular, his yourdailyshakespeare.com website, an arsenal of verbal weapons to drive your friends into action and your enemies into despair. So, Malifkus, what are your thoughts on today's Your Daily Shakespeare Quote? That argues but the shame of your offence a rotten cause abides no handling over to you yeah brilliant and uh, you know he always picks out the ones and i'm sure there are many uh, throughout shakespeare's work but he always picks out the ones that are very politically poignant i love the last one shame where is thy blush that's 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 definitely a line for daily use that one uh, I, lo I love that so um, no nothing to add really uh, andy but brilliant work from jimmy as always 
Yeah, and I also want to thank Jimmy because uh, I had to somewhat embarrassingly uh, contact him and ask him if he could make the uh, section a little shorter because we're trying to make the whole show shorter um, and it's an ongoing process. It's always not a nice thing to do because uh, I don't want him to think that he, we don't appreciate his work. We love his work and we'd like it to be longer but uh, we've still got work to do ourselves because we're currently at the 55 minute mark and we'd have liked to have wrapped up uh, nearly two uh, two minutes ago but that's just the way it is um, I'm, we're going to get out all the stuff that we put together today and uh, we only try and go through things that we think that you will provide in, find interesting and of course um, for those of you who well who were listening live and, and now we've gone over and aren't or listening to a broadcast of the show I think I've mentioned uh, com. so if ever you're listening to it on a broadcast and it gets cut off then achshow.com, just download it there and uh, carry on from where you left off and uh, you can finish the show if you feel so inclined. But uh, we aim to get there and we will. Okay, so now for this week's The People Who Failed to Join Sven Longshanks in Prison and How They Did It segment of the show, which is brought to you courtesy of the British Justice System. Sven Longshanks was sent to prison for two and a half years on May the 15th, 2023, for comments he made on his radio show, the archives of which are still available on RadioAlbion.com, a station you could simply stop listening to if you chose to do so, in the same way I stopped listening to the BBC over a year ago when I chose not to renew my television licence. So here are this week's people who failed to join Sven Longshanks in prison and how they did it. First up, Runcorn and Witness World. Headline, Runcorn Man Avoids Jail After Stealing £7,400 from Employer. Next, Daily Mail headline, Motorist 80, who calls three car smash that killed grandparents in their 70s, despite having unobstructed view of traffic, is spared jail. Next, Yorkshire Evening Post headline, Weed Dealing Brothers Spared Jail After Police Catch Them Selling in Pudsey Park. Next, Essex Live headline, Neighbour from Hell Who Threw Keys at Woman Before Punching Her in the Face As She Took Out the Bins Is Spared Jail. And finally, Sunderland Echo headline, Financial Trader Spared Jail Over Child Images and Extreme Pornography Charges. Whilst I could present many, many more headlines, that concludes this week's The People Who Failed to Join Sven Longshanks in Prison and How They Did It segment. So, Malifkus, do you have any headlines for us? Over to you. I do. I've got a few to add this week. So, um, Salisbury Journal, Thomas Felton avoids prison after beating police officer. Uh, Okay, another one here. Watford landscaper avoids jail after horrific death at his house. Uh, This particular individual, I'm going to mention this purely because obviously I'm a garden landscaper myself. Um, He's been given this particular guy, um, uh, what was his name? Fernando Arujo, um, basically took on a guy (laughs) uh, to do some landscaping. And they they were using... They were they were cutting um, railway sleepers to go around the edge of the garden, and this guy, obviously not being familiar with the way we do things in the UK, had got what we would call what I can describe as an angle grinder, a little four-inch angle grinder, uh, with the with the guard taken off, and the uh, the grinding blade taken off, and a circular saw 
put in its place. He hands it to this chap, this, this poor young chap at the age of 31, turns the machine on, this, this lethal machine on, and as soon as it hits this piece of wood, digs in, bites in, and uh, the, the, the unfortunate lad actually died when this, this machine actually kicked back and threw itself towards his groin, severed a major artery and killed the guy. So um, the guy who was in charge, as I yeah. say, uh, Mr. Fernando Arujo, um, has been, uh, you know, uh, avoided jail after cause, literally being responsible for causing somebody's death. Um, here we go. Tobridge businessman who abused woman for two years avoids prison. And uh, what have we got here? OK, so <clears throat> this one is, is a comparative one. Aggressive. XL Bully owner, XL Bully is a breed of dog which has just been banned here in the UK. Uh, ex, uh, aggressive XL Bully owner, 24 years of age, who left bloodied vet needing stitches after punching him in the face uh, after the ill dog died, has been jailed. For how long? Seven months, Andy. And what did, what did Sven Longshanks get for speaking? <laughs> it just mm. beggars belief. So back to you. Thank you so much, Maleficus. Um, okay, so as of December the 1st, 2022, we have a total of 2,362 people having died after taking the fake vaccine and 474,018 people having been injured after taking the fake vaccine. These figures were published on the British government's website page entitled Coronavirus COVID-19 Vaccine and First Reactions and were aggregated from the totals of the five vaccine analysis prints linked to on that page. I say were because the British government are no longer publishing these as whilst their website page still exists. The five vaccine analysis prints have now been deleted from it so I have absolutely no idea of the official figures today. Also, the UK government petitioned Stop the Online Safety Bill, Keep Free Speech Free which as of, well, just now because I checked it uh, well, this time last week, rather, had 345 signatures, including Shelley's Maleficus's and mine. As of just now, get it right in the script, it has only 351 signatures, so six in a week. OK, so now let's wow. go to Maleficus for his the great distraction segment of the show. And Maleficus, I want you to get everything out that you've researched because I don't like anything being left in the can. If you've done the work, let's get it out there. So please take it away, my good man. I'm going to step away for a moment, but I'll be back in like one minute so please go ahead that's all right no worries no worries well okay so i'm going to rattle through this lot so if anyone wants any of these headlines to read more in depth into to um what's been said and to put things into proper context by all means give me an email maleficus at outlook.com so great distraction time uh so from inews.co.uk should we wear masks again virus cases rise as, as spain restores covid rules I really think they're going to struggle to roll this out again. I do. But they are nevertheless um, floating the, the trial balloon, as Andy would call it. Um, so here we go. Brits heading on holiday urged to remain vigilant as COVID cases rise in hotspots. Well, vigilant in what way? <laughs> you can't see these things coming. <laughs> Ooh, everyone be vigilant. You know, it's just ridiculous. So, um, 
Now, the UK Health Security Agency is stepping in as well now, saying that urgent cold health warning update for all England after plunge of cold Arctic air hits the UK. Danger of death, people. Danger of death. Why is there a danger of death? Probably because people can't afford to heat their houses in the same way that they would normally. Um, okay, daily record article here. Experts explain why the common cold feels like it's getting worse this winter. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, so here we go. Um, there is. Uh, could something else be going on? There we go. Right. So it says here uh, that uh, it's very difficult to the common cold symptoms uh, haven't changed drastically. Fever, sore throat, runny nose and sometimes gastrointestinal symptoms. Um, you know, he notes that some people's symptoms could be caused by covid. Quote, this is a quote, COVID is pretty indistinguishable from other respiratory viruses. It can make people feel pretty rotten. More so than the standard cold or viruses, perhaps not more so than flu. <laughs> What's the difference or the similarity between the mainstream and the independent media? <laughs> UK weather, cold and health warnings over heart attacks as temperatures plunge below zero. Yes, that's right, folks. It's the cold that causes heart attacks. Nothing else. Nothing to see here. So, Mail Online article here. Experts reveal whether or not you should take off your outside clothes after riding the train if you want to avoid infections. Um, as a, <laughs> This is a ridiculous thing. Everyone knows that that's utterly ridiculous. But nevertheless, I mean, you're more likely to catch head lice uh, if, you know, if you're riding the underground than you are you know, on your clothes, that is, rather than... Um, you know, carrying viral elements in your clothing. Um, <clears throat> so the only reason I bring this up is during the um, height of the beginning of the COVID pandemic, my poor brother-in-law was forced by my sister to, uh, after he finished work, to get, uh, after he got out of his car, he would have to come into the house via the garage and undress next to the washing machine and walk through the house in his underpants in order to go and have a shower and she would disinfect behind him as he walked through the house i did say to her well you're going to get more ill through stress than covid is ever going to cause so i i just thought that was i wanted to bring that up because that just reflected on an aspect of my life at the beginning of covid okay so experts urge ministers to order NHS bosses to stock up on a controversial horse deworming tablet to halt nightmare outbreak of scabies. Yes, that's right, folks. <laughs> experts are ordering NHS bosses to stock up on nothing other than ivermectin. <laughs> that, that, um, that, uh, Drug that we were told should never be used on humans, blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, dear. What is the similarity or the difference between the independent and the mainstream media? There we go. So, Andy, human behavioral crisis is at the root of the climate breakdown, say scientists. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yes, it's, it's, all, it's because of how you're behaving, folks. And a new paper claims unless demand for resources is reduced, many other innovations are just like sticking a plaster. Well, I tell you what, until your trips to into space and the moon are reduced, any other measures are just like sticking a plaster. So uh, 
regular listeners will remember last week uh, I mentioned that police are investigating the first case of a girl's virtual gang rape in Metaverse. Metaverse is a virtual reality thing set up by the owner of Facebook. Um, and I had a little look on YouTube at Metaverse. My goodness, it looks and it, it's rubbish. It's absolutely rubbish. Um, uh, as I mentioned to uh, Eric Kajewski on his show yesterday, uh, you know, the very fact that um, it occurred, this uh, girl was apparently cyber raped, virtually gang raped, um, that all those aspects would have had to have been put into the programming in the first place in order for it to have taken place. Therefore, what was she doing there in the first place? Now, last week, I assumed that it was a minor I was. I assumed that the girl was 16. Well, it turns out Mail Online exclusive. I was gang raped in the metaverse. The trauma was similar to a real world assault. Well, it turns out she'd know, wouldn't she? The woman has revealed she was virtually gang raped by four male avatars in Meta's Horizon Worlds. She said the trauma was similar to a real world assault. And the reason she'd know, Andy, is because she's a trained psychotherapist. So... There we go. I think she's overanalyzing her experience on Metaverse. Um, now, here we go. Moving on with the psychological aspect. The Guardian newspaper. As a psychologist, I have witnessed a surge in climate grief. This is what I tell my clients. Uh, bearing witness to the, to the climate crisis can feel surreal. And these strategies can help ma manage the feeling of despair. Well, how about the mainstream media stops shoving half this nonsense down people's throats? That would cut out rather like I said, if down here in Cornwall, we had somehow managed to switch off the TV transmitters, we could have saved Cornwall from COVID. No problems. Um, <clears throat> so apparently, uh, Andy, last year, 2023, was off the charts the hottest year ever on record globally, U.S. scientists confirm. Yet I didn't manage, and me and Shelley didn't manage to get our kids to the beach much last year. So go figure. Um, another, these are uh, another one from the article, uh, from the another article from the Guardian here. Australia urged to name heat waves to combat dangers of extreme temperatures so you know places like australia are subject to heat waves anyway you know uh, you are sean surplus he's not happy until the sweat is running down his back so um you know aussies are quite used to this sort of thing but remember i said a few episodes ago andy that as soon as you know, we started naming storms why did we start naming storms because it gives us something tangible it gives us it wasn't just a storm it was a memorable event that we can pin a name to so australia being urged to name heat waves to combat the dangers of extreme temperatures how does naming something help combat the dangers of it it doesn't it simply gives a psychological register that's it. So another one here from The Guardian. Storms should be named after fossil fuel companies. Well, that's not going to work very well in the, in, in the context of the last article in, in the name of making something a memorable, memorable event. How many Shell or BP few, uh, storms can you have over a year uh, and make them memorable? So... Uh, what's the difference between the mainstream media and the, and the independent? Mail Online article here says, what nanoplastics are in your water bottle? Uh, and how exactly did they get there? After shock study reveal, reveals average 
plastic bottle of water contains 240,000 pieces of nanoplastic, which apparently can get into your system and cause all sorts of, all sorts of bad things to happen, i.e. cancers and blah, 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 blah. Um, so are they going to stop bottling water in plastic? No, of course they're not. <laughs> Rather like, are they going to stop using fake sweeteners when they know they're worse for you than sugar? No course they're not we're just uh, giving you a sense of hopelessness folks that's all um so again uh, along the similar vein mail online article here revealed the fast food restaurants with the highest level of hormone warping chemicals this is this is talking about the packaging and stuff that is released from the packaging we have covered this on the limeys before and you know things like bisophenol a and things like that that are used in the lining for your tin cans act as a uh, uh, a pseudo hormone in your body uh, some of the bisophenol a i believe it works like a pseudo estrogen I think that is the case. Uh, please, listeners, collect, correct me if I am wrong. So they are they going to stop using this stuff in fast food packaging? Of course they're not. <laughs> so. Um, so to finish up, Andy, to finish up on the great distraction, I, I keep telling you that they're coming for your pets, folks. They're coming for your pets. So mail online article here. People here who live with a robot pet report lower stress, similar to the effects of having a real dog. Research finds. There ends the great distraction, Andy. Uh, back to you. Thank you, Maleficus. And uh, the interesting thing as well about these, um, something I noticed, I heard that the way that they covered up things like aspartame in America, because many people were avoiding products that had that listed on it, they um, called it natural flavourings. Um, yes, I've heard that as well. Yeah. Well, when I looked at the ingredients on my can of Coke, it says natural flavourings. But of course, if you order a Coke, because one other thing I forgot to mention was when I went to that Burger King on the Tuesday, um, I actually asked the guy there because I had a Coke there and you have to pay an extra 10p for a regular Coke for the sugar tax. And asked him if anyone had sort of reported a change in the taste of Coke and what have you. And he was like, oh, no, no, why, have you got a problem today? I said, no, no, I'm not talking about me. I, I said, look, I've got this can at home. I'm not going to explain the story again. So I just mentioned to him. And he's like, well, no, I haven't, no, no one's complained about it here. So I just wanted to check in case it was a change across the board. But uh, anyway, quick question before we move on. You said, now I know that you're a gamer and I know you know a lot about graphics and stuff like that. When you said the metaverse is a load of rubbish, is it because it looks graphically uh very poor or what do you mean by it's, the metaphor it's graphically crap and yeah and and it's you know f for someone wearing a virtual reality headset um to find that in any way immersive for me um having having done virtual reality having bought two different virtual reality headsets one when they first came out and one when you know a bit later on uh, and tried all this stuff out for flight simulators and this that and the other the standard of the graphics in these games are just pathetic they are literally pathetic um you know you can get more out of a free game like war thunder that i play with with patrick every so often you get more um graphic quality out of free games that you can get online than you get out of that just any uh, anyone go and uh, go onto youtube just put in metaverse and you'll have loads of people saying oh i spent 100 hours in the metaverse and and it documents their their passage through it but the graphics 
are far from immersive. So, um, yeah, how well, you know, people are people. I, I believe this whole thing about the virtual rape case is about incrementally putting down the thumbscrews on thought crime. And I'm not condoning what the individuals did. Probably just a bunch of kids having fun and being stupid. And as I say, this stuff has to be programmed into the game for it to be allowed to occur. You can't just magically create things that occur in games. It has to be programmed there in the first place. So this is about incrementally putting down the thumbscrews. What else will be not allowed in the metaverse? You know, and uh, and are we supposed to now start viewing these things as real crimes? You know, people mm. playing Grand Theft Auto, are they likely to go out, punch someone in the face, pull them out of their car and drive off in their car? No, of course they're not. But, you know, by these standards, a person playing Grand Theft Auto would have just committed a thought crime. So I, I, that's what I think this is about. It's about incrementally putting down the thumbscrews on thought. That's very interesting. And uh, okay, so now let's move on to, well, the first and only article I have for you this week. Daily Mail headline, Officials Probe Electric Double Decker Bus Inferno After Vehicle Exploded and Burst Into Flames Sparking Rush Hour Chaos As Dramatic Video Shows Firefighters Battling to Put Blaze Out. Now, you didn't cover this at all, did you, Maleficus, while I stepped away? No, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, The reason this jumped out at me is that it took place on Wimbledon Hill that links Wimbledon Town Centre with Wimbledon Village. And as it is a very steep hill, I said to Amanda that next time we go to Wimbledon, we need to get the bus up the hill rather than walk. But after this incident, I will continue to walk up it, as I always have. And here is the best-rated comment from PG. PJL, which as of Friday had 3,273 upvotes and only 83 downvotes. Not so environmentally friendly now, are they? Um, (laughs) But I've since sort of thought about this. I mean, I got a bus somewhere a couple of weeks ago um, and it was an electric bus. Now, would I stand at the bus stop and say, no, I'm going to let that one go. I'm not going to get on that because it's an electric bus. You're just going to get on it because you don't even, you don't know. I mean, they might have a few electric buses on each route, or they might do it route by route, and so every bus on a route might be electric, and so you either get the bus or you walk. Simple as that. Um, so it, it is interesting, but they're just not letting this go. There were some other comments in there. Oh well, there was lots of fires on normal buses as well, and you sort of think, yeah, I wonder who put put that in. They really don't want to let this go, and I mean, I've heard of. Um, car parks multi-story car parks having to strengthen their floors because the uh weight of the batteries is so great that it's uh needing their floors to be strengthened so they're literally prepared to do all this extra work just so to get this electric stuff there that they can then control and turn off at will uh, even though it's causing all these problems they never it's not they don't want to admit a mistake this is their solution of clamping down on people that they don't like oh we'll just turn their vehicle off or we'll turn their smart meter off so they don't get any heating or we'll turn their bank account off with our uh with our currency you know digital currency we're going to bring out this is the way that they're planning to do it and they're not going to let it go so um it's always interesting to see when uh, it doesn't work out for these people so uh that's it for me so uh 
and Liftless, please close out the contribution, your contribution to today's show even, with your news roundup of the week. The floor is yours. Okie dokie, I've got a few little items for you this week. Um, so, let's start with American Academy of Pediatrics says that denying gender-affirming care to trans children is child abuse. Now, I wanted to, just want to clarify here. Gender-affirming care is, this is the description from Google, Gender-affirming care is patient-centered and treats individuals holistically, aligning their outward physical traits with their gender identity. Gender-diverse adolescents face significant health disparities compared to their cisgender peers, transgender and gender non-binary adolescents. So, what this, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics is saying that if you don't um, make it person-centered, i.e. the person makes the choices of how their treatment goes, that amounts to child abuse. But the fact of the matter is, is these are adults dealing with children. Um, I don't know what you all think about that out there, but I think, you know, that's, for me, this is, we are... Society is really, really taking a turn downhill at the moment. I've been sent videos recently of all the children's BBC uh, programs or little adverts. They're easily easy to find on YouTube. Folks, uh, folks over in America, go to YouTube, type in CBBC LGBTQ and just have a look at some of the videos that the BBC are putting out to children on a designated children's channel. I think you'll be shocked. So anyway, uh, moving on, Norway's deep sea mining decision is a warning. Politicians claim the move could provide uh, vital minerals for the green transition. Critics say opening up exploring creates geopolitical headaches and is environmentally unsound. Well, of course, if you're going to start diving underwater to start extracting metals, then, you know, not only is it going to be costly, there's going to be a huge carbon footprint, if you believe in that nonsense, involved. And uh, I can't see that it would, uh, uh, you know, really pay off, particularly environmentally. Now, the reason I bring this up is because uh, Wired this week, Wired.com, has an article, scientists explain how moon mining would work. So not only have we got a big push at the moment for sending loads of stuff into space, we're now talking about mining on the moon. Now, I'm sorry, Andy, this reminds me of uh, mining quartz in America, only to have it shipped all the way over to China to make solar panels out of so we can have a greener future. <laughs> you know, so we're going to go and mine on the moon next, are we? That That's going to be carbon viable, is it? You know, as you say, Andy, always be consistent in pointing out the inconsistencies. You know, if the environment really is an issue, if if uh, putting toxins into the air, carbon dioxide, etc., etc., is really an issue, why are we putting rockets up into space? Why are we thinking about mining on the moon? This is absolute nonsense. And I, it just it frustrates me so much that the general populace don't see through the charade. It's an absolute nothing. Um, anyway, so moving on, <laughs> moving on from that, um, 
So we now have international. This is an article from the BMJ. That's the British Medical Journal. Um, you now have you cannot read the full uh, articles on the British Medical Journal anymore, Andy. You have to pay to subscribe. Did you know that? Whereas before it was free and open to all. Something's happened over the last few years, which has made it uh, made it so that people now have to pay to go and read what um, medical practitioners, doctors, nurses, uh, you know, uh, consultants, all that kind of thing are saying and posting in the British Medical Journal. Because lo and behold, it gets out to the mainstream public because most of the mainstream public aren't going to want to pay one hundred and seventy three pounds a year. <laughs> to access the British Medical Journal. But the yes. top article here, top the, the head of the article here says, medical aid organisations to begin treating asylum seekers in the UK. Now, these are... Uh, so, Medicine Sans Fronteras, which is, I'm assuming, either a, a Spanish or Portuguese-based organisation, and Doctors of the World... Uh, DOTW uh, have begun providing primary health care to asylum seekers being held at RAF Weathersfield, form, a former military barracks in Essex, where they describe uh, where they describe it as being like a prison. Well, there we go. We know where that article is going. But there you go. International aid. If if we can't afford to or, you know, bear in mind, these people, when we had the um, all the migrants in the Beresford Hotel down here in, in Cornwall, in Newquay, um, they had medical practitioners on hand pretty much every day, visiting every day. So this is, you know, these people are getting better care than, than we are. I mean, just to get a doctor's appointment, for me, if I wanted a doctor's appointment, I would have to spend the morning on the phone with, with an engaged signal, you know, with a busy signal, uh, to o get through, finally get through, to eventually be told that there's no more appointments left today and I'll have to ring back tomorrow. <laughs> you know? mm. Whereas these people have not just got in-house stuff, they've got, you know, provided by the NHS, I might add, but they've also got now got international, um, international uh, medical aid organisations helping out as well. These people have really got the way paved for them, have they not? Anyway, uh <laughs> Moving on from that, but linked to that, the Financial Times here states the NHS, National Health Service, strains set to drive private health insurance growth. Well, nobody saw that coming, did they? Um, now, uh, just very briefly, uh, just very recently, uh, Rishi Sunak uh, has uh, the Prime Minister, apparently the Prime Minister of the UK, uh, has reiterated the UK's unwavering support for the Ukraine uh, yesterday, I think this was, and uh, he vows that Ukraine will never be alone as he pledges £2.5 billion, UK pounds, military aid package to Ukraine. This at the same time as uh, US and UK military strikes hit the Houthis in Yemen for attacking American and Israeli freight uh, attempting to reach the Suez Canal. So there you go. We've got British intervention occurring all over the place. And Andy, um, I just want to say, did you put your name down for this? Were you asked at all as, as a constituent of London or as a constituent of England? Is this being done in your name? Because it's not being done in mine. No, it's uh, I touched on this on the Saturday I'm talking to you show. Um, 
and I made the point that uh, with what's going on over there, it might be an ideal time for Ewan McGregor to resume his salmon fishing in Yemen. Back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. so uh, uh, last article from me, uh, last article from me, thousands attend pro-Palestine protest as police warn of crackdown on slogans so you know last week we we touched on the fact that organizers of the pro-palestinian protests might be asked to chip in for the cost the 17 million pounds that it cost to police the events over the time that it did uh, whereas black lives matter have never been asked for a penny for all the destruction they caused in the uk we're now we've now got the thought police out in force or enforce, should I say, uh, thousands to attend Palestine protests as police warn of crackdown on slogans. So be careful what you write on your placards. Be careful what you think and what you say, people of the UK. Uh, That rounds it up for me, Andy. Uh, Thank you to all the good listeners and thank you for the emails I've had this week. Um, I will uh, speak to you all again very soon, I'm sure. Yes, and thanks for all the hard work you put into today's show, Milish, because you did a fantastic job. And it's funny you're talking about these protests because that was kind of at the back of my mind. Would that cross with where I was going? You know, to get to London Zoo, you go to London Bridge and then you get the Jubilee line across to Baker Street, which everyone around the world will know because that is the fictional home of Sherlock Holmes, the uh, fictional detective. And there's even like a Sherlock Holmes museum and stuff like that there. And then you walk across Regent's Park and on the way back we got the bus from... We were so all in with walking, it really wears you out, uh, all that walking on that day. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, I just wanted to thank you for all that you did today and also for uh, very kindly allowing me to do that joke again to the larger audience that we have on the line. So anyway... (laughs) Last item from me, Daily Mail headline. Chinese chess champion is stripped of title and has prize money confiscated after victory celebration ended with him defecating in a hotel bath as he also faces claims he cheated by using anal beads. On that bombshell, you have been listening to The Limey's episode 151, It... We Limeys will be back with you next Sunday. No Peter this week, so I'll be back with you all on Saturday. And until then, folks, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week, and bye for now. <laughs>